Hi, welcome to Podcast with Mike Fox. I'm a furry comic artist, and in this series, I'll be taking a look at the furry webcomics of the 90s and how they shape the fandom in ways that persist to this day. So, I'll start with the obvious. You can't begin any conversation on 90s furry webcomics without discussing the mother of them all, Sabrina Online. I can tell you clearly what I was doing. I was sitting up in my room, 14 years old, drawing the first draft of a furry comic I wouldn't finish until March of 2021. My soundtrack of choice? The brand new album Cracked Rearview Mirror by Hootie and the Blowfish I'd gotten that Christmas, along with a jumbo pack of Yikes Stripes gum. I chewed through stick after stick as I drew my weird little fox people. See, the artists at the comic conventions that I visited regularly called them fuzzies, and had directed me to a news group called alt.binary.fuzzies or something. I'd check there daily, and it was probably there that I learned what Eric Schwartz was up to in 1996. Eric was publishing the first strips of a webcomic, which was still something fairly unique for the time. In 1996, webcomics, or netcomics, had been around for about a decade. The 80s had given us two major titles to speak of. The first known comic to be published on bulletin boards was Witches and Stitches by Eric Milliken. The success of Witches and Stitches helped inspire Joe Caddis to publish T.A.G. Fox on CompuServe. During T.H.G. Fox's 12-year runtime, he would eventually publish the comic to the World Wide Web at large under the name Thaddeus. And yeah, how you access the internet in those days did determine what you had access to. And who you knew dictated mostly what you could find. Search engines, when they began, were a dodgy sort of thing. Unless you already knew what you were looking for, it could be pages and pages deep in search results. See, that's actually what made Google so popular, by the way. They returned exactly what you were looking for through some kind of voodoo. I remember getting a phone call from a friend telling me to navigate to google.com and search for something. It was a silly name at the time, and it still is. Um, but we spent 10 minutes on the phone marveling at how it knew exactly what I was looking for. We even said it was kind of spooky how it knew what I was thinking, and honestly, at the time, it was. But it wouldn't be until the 90s began that webcomics started to crop up as a genre, rather than some kind of madcap anomaly. And even so, in 1996, the number of long-running successful webcomics could be counted on one person's fingers and toes. In 1996, Sluggy Freelance and User Friendly had yet to publish to the World Wide Web. And the comics that were out there were nerdy, joke-a-day type affairs. And then, from a computer in Dayton, Ohio, Eric Schwartz uploaded the first strip of Sabrina Online. He was in his late 20s, 
And from the get-go, we learn that Sabrina, an anthropomorphic skunk, is an Amiga user. Now, another diversion on the significance. In 2021, the year of this recording, we think of computers mostly in terms of operating systems, basically Mac OS versus Windows. Any computer that you get off the shelf that isn't a Mac is going to run Windows and have the same standard components. If you have an Acer and your friend has a Dell, you're not going to run into any trouble playing the same games or transferring files or viewing the same websites. It's mostly just about the specs. The maker of your computer at this time determined to a large degree what you could run on it and do with it. And the brand of computer you had was very important. What type of monitor it supported, EGA versus VGA, determined what your games would look like. Uh, what operating system it held on it determined what, if any, software you could install. Even computers which would let you load DOS, the versions of DOS would not always run the same software you got at the store, unless, you know, your version of DOS was supported by that developer. And, as we learn in the first panels of Sabrina Online, if and how you could connect to the internet was also determined by your hardware. Finding a provider for your computer, depending on your location, could be a challenge. But before we return to Sabrina, let's talk about Amigas again. Amigas were a very special computer. They weren't generally for the average user who wanted to play a few games and do their taxes or word processing. Like, yeah, you could do that, and people did, but Amigas were computers for people who made things. They were famously advertised with their graphical capability, with a 3D bouncing ball which blew our minds. They edited video in the 80s and 90s. Depeche Mode used an Amiga to record Violator, their most well-known album. Amigas created animations. Amiga demo discs, short animations with mod tracker music that pushed the graphical capabilities to the very edge, were traded at meetups and via bulletin boards. Uh, you would drop a disc in your machine and marvel at the creative show your friend had made. See, Amiga users were a very specific community of geeks. And they were a community. To this day, they are. Uh, the Amiga OS is still kept up to date by users. And new demos are made on old hardware, or even virtual systems. So, Sabrina being an Amiga user, just like Eric, says a lot about her. She's someone who makes things with her computer, and someone who is a member of a community. And Amiga users were some of the first fans of the comic. When I was looking for early interviews with Eric, I found they tended to be from websites, user groups, and newsletters by and for Amiga users, and focus more on the Amiga jokes inside of it than uh, Sabrina herself. Eric would go on to create the de facto mascot, Kitty, for Eros, an open-source Amiga operating system still used today. And it might be hard to say if Sabrina's early days were an Amiga comic or a furry comic. But back to the comic. So what is Sabrina Online? It's the story of Sabrina the Skunk's life and work after she finally takes the plunge and gets online. It's safe to say that, like me and so many others out there, Sabrina's life can be sliced up into before and after the internet. 
both in terms of social intelligence and creative opportunity. Everything in my life I'm proud of came out of connections I made or skills I learned online. Wikifur describes the comic and its characters in specific. Uh, they say, Sabrina is a computer geek who works at the Double Z Pornography Studio as a graphics designer. Despite her workplace, Sabrina is shy and does not get involved with the videos outside of making the VHS and DVD covers. No matter how much her employer, Zigzag, may wish otherwise. So, wait. Did I say pornography studio? Uh, I mean, yes, of course I did. Uh, so before we go any further, let's talk about the sex in Sabrina. I'll say this now. Sabrina is not a YIF comic. Though fans would create countless explicit fan comics featuring the characters. Seems the comic teased sex just enough to create an entire market for Sabrina fan comics in which you got to see them do the deed without the tasteful cropping or being interrupted by a comic gag at the end. The best way to explain it is if newspaper comics were broadcast TV, Sabrina Online was basic cable. The first story arc revolves around Sabrina's roommate, Amy, having loud and passionate sex with her boyfriend, which Sabrina overhears to her closed door, and Amy's resulting pregnancy. You even got a panel of Amy's boyfriend on top of her in bed. Then again, all the nudity is obscured, but you were not seeing this anyplace else at the time, especially with a comic that looked like a newspaper daily. So, this is a fairly significant thing for placing Sabrina in context at the time. Like I said, you wouldn't get anything remotely depicting sex in the comics in the newspapers. And she may be drawn like standard cartoons, but since they were published on the internet, yeah, you could get away with risque stuff. So, it wasn't a YIF comic, but it really was flirty as hell. It managed to walk the line of balancing just enough flirtation and sex to make you imagine, with the primary story he was telling being the main focus. To a teenager like me on the internet, this was monumental. The flirty nature of the comic really stuck with me. And not because it was particularly lewd, but I cared enough and was familiar with the characters I knew Sabrina would never quite succumb to Zigzag's influence, but I knew them both well enough to enjoy imagining it. Uh, so that brings us to Zigzag. Zigzag is a skunk character created by Eric's friend Max Black Rabbit, a seminal furry smut artist if there ever was one. And Zigzag may be one of the most ubiquitous characters in the early days of the fandom. Zigzag is a tiger-skunk hybrid who's known for her sex positivity after running away from an abusive father. This is a story trait that resonated with me very personally. Uh, Zigzag is the archetype I think to most of when I draw my own stories. You know, having survived a very similar situation, I found that drawing adult comics and making it a positive and affirming thing rather than a depersonalized act where people use each other, has been really validating and therapeutic, and I got that from ZigZag. You know, when you've been hurt, you want to live through your art, and you often write the story you wish you had. 
My own character, Freya's attitude towards sex, can be drawn back to those early days of Zigzag. See, I have a rule when I write my own comics about sex. Sex should be fun. And that's pure Zigzag. She's beautiful, she's an extrovert, she has a lot of sex, but it's fun. Eric bringing Max's Zigzag into Sabrina Online was a really special thing in the 90s. Like the world's greatest crossover episode. And it made the community feel more connected. Uh, you know, we'd look and go, oh my gosh, that's really that Zigzag? You know, when we first saw it. And for people that didn't know who Zigzag was, um, the popularity of Sabrina Online brought her uh, in all of her sex positivity and ownership of herself to the masses. Without ever even getting naked, she became a sex symbol for people who had never seen, um, you know, a smutty drawing of her. Uh, by the way, Max and Eric would later go on to found an adult YIF site in about 2013 that still operates to this day, by the way. Sabrina and Zigzag's creators working together in the adult industry kind of makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> but Sabrina ends up working for Zigzag, meeting a boyfriend, falling in love, having a child, and over the exactly 20 years that Sabrina Online ran, we got that story that, again, walked the fine line among drama, sex, and comedy. You got the feeling that there were actual stakes, and that if something bad happened, it wouldn't just magically be reset in the next update like some long-running sitcom. And the romance was sincere, driven by attraction among the characters, not a desire to arouse or tease the audience. And the comedy was funny, eventually even funny to people who weren't Amiga users. I'm not going to get too into the story of Sabrina, other than to say it's a comic about relationships that handles both humor and drama with a rare kind of talent. In a lot of ways, it reflects the early internet age of the fandom, which was peopled primarily by folks like Sabrina, who were just discovering a wider community at large. We were, for the first time, connecting beyond the conventions and our local friends if we even had any. The relationships she makes through the internet ended up having as much of an impact on her life as the one she made offline. The internet became a central part of her life, her livelihood, and when we think about what would have become of Sabrina without the internet, we think about what would have become of ourselves without it. The internet was new. To many of us, the fandom was new. And the idea of a digital friend was uncertain. But. Sabrina, the comic, thrived. And with it, the furry fandom grew from a niche that comic artists would whisper about to a young conventioneer to a massive, thriving place. As went Sabrina, so did we. And in many ways, the fandom grew because of Sabrina and the influence she had. When you talk to an older fur next time, know they grew up reading Sabrina. When I started the research for this podcast, I casually mentioned I was working on it in my Discord server, and a friend of mine who was my age hadn't read it. So I sent him a link, and eight hours later they came back, having binged the whole thing. They said, I was reading user-friendly when this was there the whole time? See, Sabrina gets us. It's a comic we all loved 
because it reached through the screen into our own experiences, fears, insecurities, and aspirations. It bound us through this shared era in our lives and this shared development. It's an archive of what it meant to be furry in the 90s and as such, what it meant to be us. When I write my comic, I aspire to connect with people the way Sabrina did. I remember Zigzag being the first person to show me sex could be fun and not scary. I remember late nights on dial-up dreaming someday I'll do something like this. And now, as I talk with my own readers, I quietly wonder if I'm coming close. Would I still be doing comics without Sabrina? Sure. But I'm certain they would be lacking the spark of joy that Sabrina placed in my creative heart.